So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. All right, Rockstar Nation, we have a super special guest today. I got Lane Kawaoka on the line, come from Honolulu, Hawaii. And Lane has this cool podcast that I went on uh, because, as you know, I'm, an, I'm a big investor on a lot of single family homes and apartment buildings myself. And, you know, I was talking to Lane and we were talking about how such a segment of the real estate market today is investors. Such a segment is investors. There's so many investors out there. You know, I had somebody come on the show recently and tell me, Pat, do you know what the bigger sucker theory is? And I was like, yeah, the bigger sucker theory is, you know, there's always a bigger sucker, meaning that you could always sell something in a good real estate market uh, or any sort of market if you find a bigger sucker. And that's essentially what Lane did. He found that he was buying things in 2009, 2010, and the market was appreciating so much that the cash flow sucked. So he found somebody else who still thought they were getting a great deal. He felt he was selling at the peak. They felt they were buying at the bottom. And he was able to go into markets and buy where he may or may not be the bigger sucker buying at the bottom, but someone was selling and willing to sell and wanting to sell. So anyways, I thought when I was talking to Lane, I said, you know, real estate agents need to know how to work with investors. They need to know what to say to investors, how not to turn them off, uh, how to speak their language, what they're looking for, and, and how to attract them and how to keep them. And who not better to teach them that than an investor himself, uh, someone who buys single family residences and someone who buys them without even living in the area here. He used to live in Seattle. Now he lives in Hawaii. He's buying stuff all over the country and he's renting it out. And so I said, why don't you come on a show and teach the Rockstar Nation a little bit about investing and what you look for and how to be a good real estate agent with investors. So anyways, without further ado, Mr. Lane, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Pat. How's it going? Good, buddy. Why don't you uh, give everybody a little rundown other than what I already said uh, on yourself so they can kind of get to know you. Yeah, and I uh, congratulate all you guys out there for uh, not falling into the greater fool's theory. That's what I call that one. Greater fool. <laughs> There's always another fool wanting to buy it for more. But um, yeah, I focus on cash flow uh, at simplepassivecashflow.com. I've got a podcast and blog out there, but um, I've been working with clients lately to uh, try and hook, up a, hook them up with single family home rentals, get them started. Um, so so my, my background is I started with single family homes in Seattle. And then I realized that it was uh, appreciation based, which is great when it happens, but cash flow is for sure it's going to happen. And you can underwrite it even in, in a correction. And we're kind of on the top of the market, I think, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Nobody knows, but it's definitely a lot better than what it used to go for. So a lot of the, um, the properties I initially bought were turnkey rentals when I started doing my out of state uh, exploration. Uh, now I have a dozen properties in Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis. You know, these are the uh, B-class $100,000 properties that rent for $1,000, the uh, 1% ratio is something that the investors like to look for. 
and a lot of times you go through a turnkey provider and what these guys these are these are guys doing like about a hundred properties every year they're high volume they um they do a good job they uh create a property very um with the good layouts the, the right floors you know no carpets in the living area and out-of-state investors were able to pick up the stuff pretty good and these uh these turnkey providers were playing the middleman and um also paying out a lot of referral fees to a lot of agents at the time and also going to different marketers you know guys with podcasts different podcasts you, you hear out there a lot of them are just defying investors like myself on the west coast east coast or hawaii with a lot of money and not really access to properties with good rent to value ratios so that's what I've been kind of doing lately with my simple passivecashflow.com. I uh, have been building a list of accredited and non-accredited investors looking to uh, get started in real estate. Like you said, Pat, the, it's a seller's market out there, right? Like it's, I mean, what are your thoughts on where we are in the market? Yeah, I mean, you said a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm gonna get into some of that and we'll get into the seller's market too because it's, it's definitely an interesting thing. And I think most people that... They comment on the seller's market versus buyer's market have a, a conflict of interest anyways because they you know uh, you know they're in the game in one way shape or form they're, 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 they have an angle to their answer but let's first of all talk about your story you were in Seattle Washington right you own places in Seattle you own two places in Seattle right right what were they they are a class rentals. And, and explain what an A-class rental is. Yeah, so rental properties are split out in A, B, C, D-class. Okay. So A-classes probably were uh, you and I live, Pat. Like, this is pretty nice stuff, right? I mean, it's uh, for white-collar working. Here's a good right? Stuff that you would live in yourself. Right. Yeah, right? Um, in a lot, a lot of ways, you can uh, cut and slice this stuff. You can say it's people with higher credit score, higher net worth, uh, white-collar. Um, people uh, places where you know women and dogs can go out running at night you know it's there you go i like area. that one where women yeah. and dogs can go running at night probably where you have uh, a lot of owners right like, right like and you move in if you move into an a-class renter people might assume that you bought it right and there's also some discussion on how you can grade the building the building can be an a b c d class or the tenant can be an A, B, C, D tenant. But for the most part, you know, from a 20,000 foot view, you know, you, you usually just starting out, you say that you, you first specify your criteria as an A, B, or C class tenant. So you had these A classes in Seattle and, you know, they weren't giving any, you know, smart returns. They weren't a smart passive investments for you so what like, give me an example like what how much were they worth and what were they paying yeah so the first one was worth uh, 350,000 and the rents that it brought in were 2200 so the quick and dirty way of doing this is what we call the rent to value ratio so you take the how much the monthly rent is divided by the market price so 2200 divided by 350,000 so I, I can't do the math, but I know that's about half a percent. Yeah. Well, 4,400 would be half a percent. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, 0. 0.65 or something, you know, I mean, it's, uh, 
something like that. So, right. And, and you want 1% or better, right? That's correct. I'd say 0.9%. Anything less than that, you're probably not going to be cash flowing. Of course, there's a lot of factors in there, such as insurance, uh, vacancy in the area, repairs, property management yeah, and this, costs. So this but, this yeah. is a gross, you know, where I, the, the biggest area that, that people get screwed up on this or hicked up on this is when you have condo fees, because you, you, you almost have to subtract the condo fees from the rent. I really think you should net those out because if, you, if your rent is 2200 and you got 200 condo fees, that's really two grand compared to buying a single family house or, or something without condo fees. Other than that, I think you, we're just looking at gross monthly rent, guys. That's it, just gross monthly rent. So you, you went and sold those, then you, you ended up with a dozen properties uh, in three different states. Uh, tell me how you decided to buy these 12 properties, uh, how real estate agents were involved, um, and uh, what the Rockstar Nation can learn from your experience in, in, in you know, buying these 12 houses. Yeah, so initially I bought them through a, something called a turnkey provider. So these guys are high-volume flippers and rehabbers. So what they'll do is they'll buy a property, fix it up, and sell it to and uh, put a tenant in there and sell it to an investor from the West Coast, East Coast, or someone where – they're living in an A-class area or usually California, Seattle, you know, places like that. And these people like myself want that passive income. You know, they want the, the mortgage pay down, the appreciation, especially the tax breaks. A lot of the people that they sell to are high income earners with no time to do this on themselves. So this is sort of a way it's, it's called turnkey investing for a reason. And, um, you know, the, they, there's no agent involved in this process a lot of times. But right. so, so somebody buys them cheap, fixes them up just like a flipper would, right? Maybe a little fancier than a flipper. Finds a tenant, puts a tenant in, and then says, hey, Lane, you want to buy this thing? It, has, it meets the 1% rule, and it's nice and shiny, and I can make it real easy on you. And it already has a tenant, so you don't have to, you know, go through the jumping around of that. And you're like, yeah, that's cool. I don't even have to fly into Pittsburgh to look at it. I'll buy it. Right. Right. And there's a, there's another way you can buy these things. You can buy it through a marketer, somebody, uh, someone who's just a uh, talking head on the podcast <laughs> and you, you guys probably see them out there. They, uh, you know, they educate about real estate investing several they, on the show. Right. And they come on and they, um, you buy through them. And of course, you know, they, they're sort of operating in, the facet of a real estate agent. They may not be helping you sign contracts and doing all the legalities, but it's, they're picking up referral fees or however else they get compensated. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been eBooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox, full of items of utility simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox 
That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Okay, so I'm thinking of one in particular that I recently had some some interaction with. And what threw me off a little bit is when he said that my commission on it would be 10,000 bucks, regardless of what what the household for. So he said, "Pat, you know, if you send people to me and I, you know, they buy this house for $110,000 in Dayton, Ohio, I'll give you flat 10 grand no matter every house they buy i've built in ten thousand dollars and for me that felt greedy almost like that's like way too that's like too much you know and his argument was hey you know it's it's five percent commission roughly or whatever you know and i was like "Ah, just for giving you a name you know uh, i i don't so I, i just felt like that 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 fat in there shouldn't have been in there right you know, I, I sort of ran away from it. I didn't want anything to do with it, to be honest with you, because it was just too much. And uh, plus, I, I, you know, I didn't have a good feeling. I didn't know that, you know, whether these things in a bad market were going to be rentable or, you know, I, I didn't have, I wasn't confident about it. So now looking back, do you recommend these turnkey rentals for people listening or, or is your advice shy away from them? I would say you have to get started somewhere. So whether you're paying a coach ten, twenty thousand dollars to get started, or picking up a turnkey rental and somebody makes a fat commission, well, that's cool. That's cool for your first, right? But after a while, your second, third one, you should be able to do this on your own. And and you know, hey Pat, I I really commend you on that. That's um that's kind of exactly what I thought when I was first bought my couple with these did these methods. I was like, this is messed up, right? And this that's kind of why I just created simplepassivecashflow.com and I made everything for free. Cause I was kind of pissed, right? Like these guys, all they did was they just, you know, send you a couple emails and then they CC you to the turnkey provider. And then that's it. They're like, peace out, bro. Talk to you later. You know, let me know when you close so I can, I can ping my guy for my referral check. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, it's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. Cause even in real estate, you know, like if I refer something to, to an agent in Seattle, they're going to pay me somewhere between 20 and 30% most likely, right? You're generally 25%, but you know, it varies, right? And so I might make a grand, couple of grand or whatever, depending on the, the price of the house or whatever. And, and that's high for just giving a name, you know, to be honest with you, but it, it's more of an industry thing. And that may dissipate, obviously, if commissions dissipate, but nonetheless, let's, um, let's move on from that. So that, that, that's iffy, you know, uh, my, my recommendation, and I've always had this junkyard dog recommendation, you know, I would rather, you know, if you're going to get into real estate, you're going to, anything you do will be a learning experience and you have to embrace that learning experience and don't be a wimp, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I tell people, they're like, oh, I want to get into real estate, but nothing in my hometown meets the 1% rule. And I'm like, well, drive 45 minutes, drive an hour, you know, buy something that scares you a little bit, learn about a little bit about construction, learn about repairs, you know, make sure that it cash flows to the 1% rule or better. And the next one, you'll be so much stronger. I really feel like uh, 
it's almost a disservice when people put money in the things without a lot of effort because it becomes too easy and they don't learn anything. And then, and at the same time, they don't do the due diligence. It's kind of like investing too much in the stock market. It's just uh, sometimes things become too easy when, you know, and, and that's not a good thing if it's, if it's too easy because it usually backfires on you somehow. But nonetheless, so you bought a bunch of these. Now you're out of that. Now you're buying them on your own. You're working through real estate agents. What do you look, what can our real estate agent audience uh, learn from you? First of all, what annoys you most about real estate agents as an investor and, and what can we learn from that? Yeah, so um, maybe I'll, I'll, you mentioned that $10,000 check. I just wanted to mention real quick that the reason that they were able to, to offer that fat commission is what these guys were doing. They were just figuring out what the 1% rent to value ratio was and then just making the cost up to that. So if they had a property for 90, 900 grand and it rented for 1000 bucks, they knew they had that room in there to bump it up to 100 grand. And you know, all these poor out-of-state investors, these doctors, engineers, lawyers who don't have the time or the knowledge, and they're not being represented with that fiduciary responsibility, you know, we're just buying properties without a real appraisal and real representation. And, and that's really where that was coming from. But yeah, so I, I got pissed off. I figured it out pretty quick. And I was like, well, I need somebody to represent me because I, I just don't want to buy in the wrong area wrong block, right? A lot of real estate's block to block. And, you know, I want someone to be agnostic to a property. I want them to like, hey, man, like, hey, you and me are going to work with each other. And, um, you know, this property over here, there's no good for you. But I know you and I are going to find one, right? And that's what that's the way it should work. Not right. not this well, guy. Yeah, real estate agents, they have a fiduciary relationship to you, you know, as the buyer agent to not screw you. Right. So, so you do have a much better protection, even though there's a commission worked into the sale price, you at least have a fiduciary relation. You know, they at least have a fiduciary relation where they have their certain, you can sue them if they screw you over. So, you know, the other thing is let the buyer beware. You're, you know, you bought that and that was your choice. And the guy that referred it and got the $10,000 commission from emailing you, there's no fiduciary relationship. You really can't sue him. So how can real estate agents, you know, better serve people like you? Yeah. So let's kind of go down the list here. Um, you know, we like properties that are sort of on the, the bare minimals, not the, not the A class, like how we mentioned, and not like D or C minus class, which we kind of call war zone properties <laughs> where you've got to get a gun to go collect the rent or tell the property management in our case to go get the rent with a gun. Right. Um, so we like to stay in that sweet spot. And um, there's a great book, uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Keller. I'm sure everybody has read the uh, agent book out there, but he's got an investor book. And there's a nice chart in there showing the, the, the ACD class and um, you know where, where does investors like to stay? They like to stay in that about 80% of median price. So a lot of places are you know, 130,000 median single family home. So take 80% of that, and that's kind of the sweet spot, plus or minus 10, 20%. You know, that's your bread and butter. That's your working class. Um, you know, and then, you know, either they're working in retail or manufacturing. That's our avatar. That's who investors are looking for. So that's um, 
for that after you kind of get into that price range of whether it's $80,000 or $120,000 and you check the rent to value ratios, now we're just looking at the, the layout. You know, some of these layouts are obsolete. You know, we'd, we don't, we don't like those things. And you guys know about that stuff way better than we do as investors. Floors, you know, as investors, we don't like carpet. You know, every time you do a tenant turnover, you've got to tear out the carpet and, and, and uh, replace it. It's great for a retail buyer, but and as investors, uh, we don't like that. We use that LVT flooring. I mean, it looks great. I mean, that, that thing is God's gift to the world. Really. <laughs> But it, it, in some higher end rentals, you know, maybe A minus, B plus rentals, maybe some carpet in the non high traffic areas, such as the, the bedrooms. That might be cool. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool. An item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox, full of items of utility simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox that's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999 that's toolbox to 444 Then we move into uh, amenities such as, you know, garbage disposals. Most of my rental properties don't have garbage disposals, nor do they come with refrigerators Why? or what stoves. The, what's the logic there? Well, I mean, it's just another thing to break, right? Just like, you know, three toilets, just another thing to go wrong. The, the more bare, bare minimals that you can have, the, the less um, maintenance costs and CapEx costs you have in the future. And also when your property goes vacant, a lot of these areas, you can't control what, what vandals do. I mean, a lot of times they'll just steal the, the refrigerator or stove or, you know, whatever they can get their hands on, even though, you know, the, the property is uh, semi, you know, the grass is cut. You've yeah, done what you, you do did. About that, right? You got to have a, you got to have a stove and a fridge. Not some of these, uh, these rentals, these C plus B minus rentals. It just comes standard and it, and it's uh, depends on your area too. Yeah. A lot of the okay. places in Birmingham, what? What, okay, so what about like, you know, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent, right? What do you want from me? How can I help you? So a lot of this, the, the investors should be able to have a criteria of what they're looking for. Okay. Price so, range. So I guess the answer to the question is you ask the real estate, the real estate agent should ask you, what is your criteria? Right. One of the biggest pet peeves is, is I, I talk to a real estate agent and sometimes I'm just testing them. I'm just saying, go find me some rental properties and they bring me back all this junk. Well, not really junk, but like nice properties that, that are like very um, homey. And like, I'm not looking for homey here. I'm looking for solid, stable, durable uh, rental stock. So they should ask you things like what class property are you looking for? And then again, the A class 
is something you'd live in them. They would live in themselves or you would live in a B class is, you know, and again, you could do, if you did it by year, B class would be what, like 10 to 30 years old or so. And then C class over 30 years old. And then D and the D class is, is ghetto property, a place you wouldn't go at night. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of ways to look at it. You can Google it and you, and there's all kinds of ways, but just ask them that question, you know, um, and, and see what they answer. And, you know, and then ask them, uh, what, uh, what return are you looking for? And see what they answer. Because at the end of the day, you know, if they don't understand what they're looking for, you're not going to be able to help them. And you're certainly not going to be able to do, a, you know, a job for them that's reputable by giving them something for $4,400 that they rent for $2,200. I mean, unless they're, they're, they tell you point blank that I'm only looking to make half a percent right? What, what else should you be asking them? What else would, do you want an agent to ask you where you are like, damn, that's a good agent. I want to work with him and buy a house. Yeah. So some of the, the commercial brokers, they'll talk in terms of uh, cap rates. And what cap rates is, is a income minus expenses. And it's, it makes no sense to investors because how do you as a real estate agent know what the expenses are? And we know what the income is. So how can we talk in terms of cap? I, I think the first discussion is what is the projected rents? You, you as the agent need to go out there and get me rental comps. And I know that you can't get it on the MLS. So you've got to get, you've got to go on Zillow. You've got to go on Craigslist. You've got to go rent a meter. You've got to look in your own classified ads to pull up comps. So what's rent a meter? Uh, Rentometer is another one of those uh, websites that kind of gives you another opinion on what, how much it should rent for. Hmm. So, so what do you think about these rentals? I don't know. Do you have any rentals that are rented out short-term rent or is all yours rented out long-term? All long-term. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the short-term. Why not? First reason is people who get into short-term rentals are usually the unsophisticated crowd, the uh, greater fool's theory. I mean, you hear about it at everywhere, right? Every what mom and like, I mean, like Airbnb and VRBO, you know? Yeah, of- yeah that's, that's the exact one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. So the, the, you mean the, the investors that get into it are unsophisticated? Right. It's people who, who stumbled upon this property and they, they, they figure out that, wow, look at, the, look at the spread between the rents and how much the mortgage would be. But like any unsophisticated investor, they don't take into account the big picture. So the expenses on those things are huge. And then the pain in the butt to go out and clean the property if you're doing it yourself. Yeah, so the expenses are cleaning, maintenance, right? Because it's getting a lot of wear and tear. Of course, licensing fees. Is there anything else I'm missing? The additional expenses on something like that? Man, the management fees where a management fee for a long-term rental might be between 5 and 10%. On those things, they're upwards of 25%, right? Like a... Like I got a buddy in Florida that owns a bunch and, and he pays 25%. Right, right. I mean, on, on a single family home rental, long-term rental, you're probably looking to take up home about 60 to 50% of the income. So if you make, yeah. Yeah. make $12,000 a year, you're probably only going to take home $6,000. And then you got to pay your this mortgage. Is on a short-term deal or a long-term? Long-term deal. I mean, and, you're, and, and you've, got a, you've got a crap load of um, expense there, which is smart, right? And this is without a mortgage, right? So, you know, that's probably conservative, but hey, I'd rather you be conservative. I mean, you know, the thing that I find with my rentals is inevitably every year, there's an, ex, 
expense that I didn't expect, a new air conditioner, a new septic system, and I think that's what screws people out of the game. So I'd rather um, be conservative like you are. What about on a short-term rental? <laughs> what do you expect? Uh, what percent? I mean, it, it's, it's more like a business. You're talking about 80% at least of expenses. So if you're bringing it, I mean, of course, the income is a lot higher, a lot more substantial, but a lot more expenses. So cook that into your numbers and the, the headaches, right? I mean, that's not simple or passive. It's a business. Now, are you including a mortgage payment at 80%? Because that seems excessive. Yeah, the mortgage is after that. So you've got to have enough money to pay out the mortgage after. Yeah. The, you know, in a lot of markets, it doesn't work. Like I live in Folly Beach, South Carolina, and what you would have to pay for a house, even with Airbnb, which is, you know, crazy, like $250 a night for a little house, the numbers don't work at all. The, the return doesn't work at all. You know, what is very interesting that I don't think people are paying attention to when they're investing in these short-term rentals is government, right? Like I know the city of Charleston, South Carolina, is revamping how they regulate these things. And they've always had regulations, but what they haven't had is an efficient way to enforce them. Right, like, like they're like, oh, somebody turned somebody in. They're like, oh, there, there's a new person in that house every week. They're Airbnb being it. It's against the, you know, they're not allowed to do that within certain city limits, um, a certain uh, within a certain distance, the historic district. You know, there's all these things, right? And they get turned in, but there's no way to enforce it. They don't have like a a rental cop to go over there, knock on the door, or or somehow figure out how to prove it by taking a snapshot of a Craigslist ad or an Airbnb ad, they just don't have time to enforce it. So what they're trying to do now is fund money to create enforcement of it. But, but my point is that let's say that the funding does go through and they start enforcing this in places like Charleston, places like Nashville, which is going crazy for bachelorette and bachelor parties using Airbnb. And people are buying houses there and I've had them on the show here for 300 grand and they're making 12 grand a year, you know, which is phenomenal returns on these houses. But uh, what they don't realize is it could all change overnight with the proper enforcement and the proper and not proper with a different set of rules that are enforced properly. All right. Yeah. And here in Hawaii, I mean, the, the hotel industry is it's a tourism state. So hotels here, I mean, they govern this stuff like crazy. And like you said, at any point, this stuff can go lights out on you and now you're stuck with this property that can't, can't even operate as a long-term rental and you're going to be bleeding money every month. Yeah, and you got uh, furniture in it, right? Right. So you probably have like a damn flat screen TV in every room, you know, and you've got all this nice stuff in it and then a family of four or six are going to move in. They're like, we have our own furniture, you know. We don't need a TV in every room. I mean, all that stuff's wasted. I mean, you're going to have to put it in a storage bin. So there, there is some major inherent risk. And, and I think that's why I haven't seen yet, and maybe it's out there, maybe you know about it, somebody taking an entire apartment complex and just going, you know, short-term rental on the whole thing. I've actually seen that in, in Las Vegas. You know, I mean, you did. I, saw, I saw these... Um, these rental properties right behind the stratosphere. Tell me about and, this. And um, I'm looking at the, the, 
the rent rolls and I'm pulling up the cold star report and I'm like, Whoa, these are f- phenomenal rents. Cash What's going cows, on right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well come to find out they're weekly rentals and um, only in Las Vegas. Right. But the, the, the bad thing is like, these are taxed differently than your, your traditional rentals. And then it's just another way that they get you right. Like these are the things that unsophisticated investors don't look at. They don't look at the big picture. They don't actually do like here in Folly Beach. It's an 8% hospitality, 18% hospitality tax. And, and one of my neighbors does Airbnb and, and I was talking about it. He's like, yeah, I, I, I pay it. He said, I ain't used to, but now I pay it. Well, guess what? You know, that can be changed too. You, you can turn around tomorrow and a li- especially in a little town like Folly Beach and the city council jacks that thing up to 30% or you, right people get in office and they, they, they say, hey, you know, you got to go a week or more or you got to go a month or more or 90 days or more. I mean, you, you just never know. Right. Right. And, and also you got to accurately predict your vacancy and those vacancy swings are, are huge. But I, I think at the end, you just got to do your own research. Uh, there's a good website out there. Air DNA. Gives Air you, uh, DNA. Tell me about that. Gives you a bunch of the, um, gives a lot of, uh, um, brings together a lot of the data on how much these rentals are going for, for each night. And it gives you all these cool graphs. It's, it's a pretty awesome website. Um, but yeah, just do the numbers yourself. And I, mean, and I, I, I would consider buying if it, a couple of things. I would consider buying one if, number one, you think you could flip it to a long term and still make the 1% rule, right? And number two, I didn't take all my money and plow it in there. You know, I had one of 20 properties or three of 20 properties were Airbnb. You know what I mean? So my whole life, net worth wouldn't be in there. I wouldn't go full out into it and push all the chips in the middle of the table. All right. For me, it's more, it's not scalable. I mean, my mentor told me if you can't scale it to eight figure business, don't do it. Yeah. Well, well, listen, Lane, this has been awesome, buddy. I really appreciate you coming on. There's, there's always fun stuff to talk about. One of the things we do is all of our guests contribute to a toolbox that we've created where everyone chips in and, and throws uh, something in the toolbox that our listeners can uh, listen to and pick up. And I'm going to put your contribution, which is, what are you going to be able to offer us today? Yeah, so I'm uh, putting in my analysis spreadsheets, buy and hold spreadsheets uh, into a Google Drive. And you guys can come to Simple Passive Cashflow and uh, download them there. And um, I'm coming out with a how to buy a turnkey rental uh, book. So I know a lot of real estate agents, you guys need to get in the game too, I mean. <laughs> You guys know this stuff pretty well, but a lot of like 1% of agents invest and, and it's uh, pretty, uh, you need to go higher. And also, um, I ask of your your uh, agents out there, if you guys want to work with some accredited and unaccredited investors, give me a call, give me an email, uh, we'll refer some good agents to uh, help procure real estate investment properties so we don't have to work with these pr- turnkey providers. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Well, listen, Lane, I'm going to put everything we talked about on hybendigital.com backslash Lane K. I'm going to make it easy for you guys. He has one of those Hawaiian names. I'm going to be uh, hybendigital backslash L-A-N-E-K. Or you could go to the toolbox at hybendigital.com backslash toolbox to pull up his buy and hold spreadsheet to help you analyze the buy and hold analyzer or text toolbox to 444 
Lane, listen, y'all, you've been awesome, brother. Oh, by the way, I'm going to also put all Lane's information in the show notes, as we always do. Best of luck to you if I'm ever in Honolulu, Hawaii. I will look you up, and we will break some bread, my friend. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast, and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening, and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.